Um, you know, and, and and the Lord does this. Uh, you know, every time that that I that I'm away and that I'm spending any time relaxing and just getting in His presence more. But He gave me about <clears throat> probably about five different messages, and I, so I'm going to try and stick to one this morning. If I get off, uh, we may hit on a couple of the other things that God spoke to me, but uh, in the last you know the last couple of weeks. But but um, two Sundays ago, the Sunday that we left, we had prayer that night. And uh, and I had a vision that night during prayer, and uh, I want to share that with you to begin with. I wasn't going to do that this morning, but then in worship, the Lord told me to to do that as we got started this morning because it kind of set me, it kind of set, uh, it kind of set me up for what God was going to do while while I was gone. And uh, so in prayer two Sunday nights ago, uh, we were just praying and. We, we had a list of things we were praying for, and, and we got through praying for all those, and we just got quiet before the Lord. And uh, and I laid down on the stage. I, I sat down on the stage and just laid back. And as soon as I laid back, uh, I had a I had a spiritual vision, a vision, and and uh, and I just saw some things, and and it was just really uh, it was cool in, from one standpoint, but it was very sad in another standpoint because here's what I saw. Uh, I saw I saw that previous Sunday morning. And I saw the people that were here, and and uh, and and I was I saw as we it was like as we were exiting the building, as we were leaving the building, all of a sudden instead of people, as I well not instead of but as I saw the people leaving, I saw uh, angels like sitting throughout the congregation, and people were leaving, and they all went outside, and a lot of the angels stayed seated in the seats, and then I was taking kind of just you know just in a. Just at an instant, I was taken to the parking lot, and I was I was seeing all the cars driving off. And as the cars would drive off, I saw angels standing behind the cars, and the car would just drive off, and the angels were standing in the parking lot. And then and then I kind of you know that's that's what I saw. And I, I started asking the Lord. I was like, Lord, what you know, what in the world? What was that? You know, and uh, and I heard the Lord say this. He said, He said, Stephen. He said, so many people. He said they'll come to church, and, and I'm adding to this as I've prayed about it these last couple of weeks. Um, he said, but so many people come to church, and he said, and, and they, they enjoy the time that they're here, and they let me minister to them while they're here. But when they get up and leave, they don't think about me again until they come back. And he said, most people's ministering spirits, most people's angels that are assigned to them, get left in seats and in parking lots or at home and are never even given anything to do because because my people aren't aren't asking for their involvement in their life. And so so last Sunday night, of course, the first thing I did, I was immediately I repented of not of not asking God to help me more, and and uh, and I made the determination that every day, you know, every day from that day forward, I was going to get up and the first thing I was going to say is, Lord, I want your angels helping me today. I want you, I want you to be involved in every aspect of my life, and you know, and it's and it's so interesting because because uh, all you know every day, and, and of course when I was you know when you're on vacation you don't you don't have the the hustle and bustle of of your job and of your you know of the normal things, so you know so you're aware of a lot more things. Or I am I I, I like to people watch. I like to watch and you know, I like to just observe people, and it's very interesting that when you can see. Um, when situations happen, because um, because what the Lord started speaking to me was was and, and it's very interesting because as the Lord was speaking to me, I, I I even saw some of you guys back home back here 
that you were posting some of the same things on Facebook. But one of the words that I heard, one of the very first things I heard as we were leaving Monday, and and just as we were traveling, and 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 you know we didn't really have any we didn't have any major issues, especially going over there, coming back. We I mean, and even when we switched islands, we had a little bit of issue. The the navigation system went down, and we got stuck in the airport for like five hours, and you know, and and waiting on the navigation system to come back up for the airlines. And then when we were coming home, um, you know, the our plane our our flight from L.A. to Charlotte got canceled, and they had to rebook us on another plane. And we ended up having to fly to Seattle and then back home, and just took you know five or six more hours than it should have, and and uh, and just different things like that. But but you know, it's interesting to see when. When you see people, how you see people respond to those situations and the choices people make, because the reality is this, we, we all face trouble in life. We'll all face situations and circumstances in life where things don't go perfect. And, and we have a choice to make. We can either let the situation dictate what happens, or we can choose how we're going to respond to it. You know, and because when, and, and see, and I don't know about you, but I like to be in control. I don't like, I don't like other people to be making decisions for me. And I think most people are like that. You know, most of us like to be in control of things. And, um, and although I wasn't in control necessarily of how soon I was going to be able to get on a plane or which flight I was going to be able to take, I was, I, I am in control of one thing. And, and I am in control of my attitude in those situations. And how I'm going to respond to things. But what I, what I heard the Lord start speaking to me, and, and, he, and really He started sharing some things with me even Monday as we were getting ready to leave. I heard these words. I just heard the Lord say, don't quit. You know, don't give up. Because, you know, how many of you know it would be easy when the first, the first thing that, go wrong, that goes wrong, just to throw up your hands and say, I'm quitting, I'm giving up. You know, it didn't go the way I wanted it to go. I didn't get on the flight I wanted. I didn't do this. I didn't do that. Here I am stuck here. Here I am wasting this. Here I am doing this. I'm just quitting. But you know, the, the, the sad part about that is, is if you quit, you'll never get the benefits of, of the, of enduring something and getting through a trial or a temptation. Amen? And so the Lord started talking to me about, about not quitting and about not giving up. And about the power to endure, the power to to get through situations, and and you know even in those even in the little things that we encountered, like I said, it wasn't anything major, it didn't didn't really affect too much of anything, but even in those situations, the Lord started talking to me about how you how your choices affect uh, how your choices affect the the outcome, even when you're not in full control of something. Does that make sense? You know, and because we kept a good attitude, we kept, I mean, hey, we're like, you know, we make, we're make the best of this and it's not going to ruin our day, it's not going to ruin our time, and we're just going to, we're just going to, you know, you know, you know, do the, make the best out of it we can. And you know what? We made it through. We made it back. Amen. We didn't quit and we got to enjoy the rest of our vacation. We got to make it all the way back home and there was no major problems. And, and so, so, you know, looking back on it, we can say, you know what? We had a good time. We, we had a great time. We had the trip of a lifetime, and there was no major issues. But, you know, if, if, we, had, if we had got mad, we saw a couple people in, in some of the, uh, as you can imagine, in some of the airports get mad and raise their voice and yell and, and fussing at the airline attendants and things like that. But at the end of the day, what good did that do them? 
You know, we ended up getting on the same flight that we would have if I stood up there and yelled for four hours. You know, I mean, it, and you know, and, and and I kept my peace through all of it. Amen. And you know, so our choices play a big part. But here's one thing that one thing that you'll find in the Bible. One thing that you'll not find in the Bible. Let me put it that way. One thing you'll not find in the Bible is the precedent of quitting. You know, you won't find a scripture where God tells you it's okay to quit when this happens. As a matter of fact, it's right the opposite. You know, in, in, in the, the Scripture about uh, the armor of God, what does it say? When you've done all to stand, stand. You know, when, when, when everything's come your way, when, you get, when you've got knocked down, don't quit. Get up. You know, when you get pressured, don't give in. Just withstand that and keep going. You know, and, but, and here's something else, though, that's interesting that, that goes right along with that. There's also very few times in the Word where God will tell you how long that a trial is going to last. You know, now sometimes it would be good if we knew, you know, if, if something showed up on our front door and, and, and a trial or a situation showed up and a note came along with it that said, you'll, you'll have to go through this for six months and then after six months everything's going to be okay. Well, that might help some of us get through some of the things that we have to get through. But how many of you know that that's not the way God works? He doesn't necessarily put a time frame on the trials or on the, on the things that we go through. And I believe the reason He doesn't do that is because really I think that it's up to you and me how long it, things take. When we quit, when we give up, when we, when we give in, when we start throwing pity parties, when we start doing things like that, it takes a whole lot longer to get through something than it would if we just kept our faith and kept our, kept our face going toward where God told us we were going and just getting through things. Amen. And so what I want to talk to you about this morning is, is don't quit. Because, see, there's so many people, there's so many of you, there's so many of us that God has given us words, He's given us promises, He's given us dreams, He's given us, um, you know, prophetic words and, and promises that we find in the Scripture. And that, that, that sometimes we... Um, we, we struggle because, because we're not seeing it happen as quick as we want it to happen. I've said this many times, but one of the greatest enemies of faith is time. The longer it takes, the harder it is to stay in faith for it. But throughout the Bible, you'll find people that, that give us examples of men and women who, who, uh, who took the time and who actually endured great great trials and great tribulations to get through situations. Think about just just for a couple people, and, and we, we won't even look at the stories, but you most of you know the stories. Look at Abraham. God showed up and told Abraham, you, you will be the father of many nations. He told him, said, go outside and look at the stars. You know, he said, if you can count the stars, that will be the number of your seed. And then he said, look at the, the sand. I mean, he was in the desert. And he said, look at the sand. He said, if you could count the number of pieces of sand, he said, that's how many, how many your descendants are going to be. You know how many kids Abraham had at that time? Zero. You know, you know how many kids it would take to have as many descendants as the stars? A bunch. <laughs> you know, and, but yet Abraham took hold of that promise and it took Abraham 25 years before he realized the, the, before he saw the promise come to pass 
in having his first son with his wife Sarah. Twenty-five years. But yet, and, and, and you know, Abraham wasn't perfect in it. He tried to help God out, and he tried to do things his own way. Him and Sarah come up with their own plan and, and tried to help God out a little bit. Which, but that wasn't God's plan. And God's plan was that Abraham and Sarah were going to have kids, and then, but it took 25 years for that to happen. But, but eventually it happened, and Abraham today is called the father of faith, our father of faith, because he learned how to endure through a time when he had God's promises, but he wasn't seeing it come to pass. Look at the story of Joseph. Here Joseph has, and man, we can talk a lot more about Abraham, but I'm just... I'm just kind of glancing over a few stories. Look at the story of Joseph. Joseph has this dream, these two dreams, about, about him being a ruler, about him being a leader, about, about his family you know, even bowing down to him. And he had these two dreams, and he shares these dreams with his family. He's no doubt excited about it. He, he's thinking, man, God's going to do big things, and God's going to use me. The next thing he knows, he's in a hole, and his brothers are talking about killing him. They sell him off to a slavery camp. And to a you know to a group of people that's going to put him in slavery gets put into prison, all because he had a dream of something big that God was going to do in his life. And for years he was you know Abraham was either in I mean Joseph was either in he was in a pit he was in a prison and and then when he did finally get promoted you know he got promoted into the palace he got lied about and he got thrown back into prison until one day. God's promises came true and the dream that he had came to pass and he found himself the second in command under, under the ruler of a whole nation. And, and eventually his family did come and his family bowed down at his feet because he was the, he was, only the king himself was higher in authority than Joseph was. But it didn't happen overnight. There was a lot of, there was a lot of heartache. There was a lot of hard times that Joseph had to get through. But yet, he got through it, he didn't quit, and because he didn't quit, he saw his dreams come to pass. Amen. You think about, think about Moses. Here Moses is, you know, he, he gets raised, you know, of course you know the story that, that the king sets out a decree to have all the, the kids killed, and, and you know, Moses, they, his mom puts him in a, a basket and sends him down the river and and the king's daughter finds him, and so Moses gets raised in the palace, raised in the king's house for forty years. He's he's you know just uh, you know living living the best life that you could imagine. But then what happens? You know Moses finds out who he really is, and he and he 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 tries to go about doing things the way he thinks that it should be done, and he gets him gets him chased out of town and gets him put on the backside of the desert for forty years. Forty years. For 40 more years, he's on the backside of the desert being a shepherd boy. But then God finally calls him again. And, and after 40 years, Moses starts realizing that dream. And for the next 40 years, Moses walks out the plan that God has for him. But you know what? I guarantee you, if you ask Moses about it, I guarantee you Moses didn't say, boy, those were the easiest 40 years of my life. Did he have a plan? Did he have a dream? Did he have a vision that God gave him? Yes. Was it easy to get through? No. But Moses didn't quit. And because Moses didn't quit, he got through it. Amen. Think of David. 
We all think about David and we all think of how great of a king he was and how David was a man after God's own heart. But just put yourself in David's shoes for a moment. Think about the start of his life. David was a teenage boy and, and, you know, and, and the king or the prophet comes to the house and, and is going to anoint the, a new king. And he goes through all the brothers and, and the dad didn't even think enough about his son David to call David in to, to come through this process. The prophet gets through all the boys, all of his boys, and he says, is there any more? And his dad says, well, there's David. How would you like that to be the way your dad talked about you? Well, there's David out there, but I know that could be him. I know he's not the one that's going to amount to anything. That's what his dad was saying. The prophet said, go call him. They called David, and and sure enough, God said, that's him. The, The prophet anointed him king when he was just a teenage boy. But you know what? He didn't become king for another 15 to 20 years. As a matter of fact, the the current king chased him and tried to kill him for, for, what, three or four years, or probably more. From the time David was anointed king until he became king, most people say it was probably between 15 and 20 years. Ask David if that was fun. Running for his life. Hiding in caves. Did David have a plan? Yes. He had been anointed king. But yet here he finds himself on, he finds himself hiding in caves. But David didn't quit. And eventually he did become king and became one of the greatest kings and, and got, and, and was known as a man after, after God's own heart. Man, isn't that all? You know, it's encouraging that God puts scriptures like this in the Word because, because we, we know that, you know what? Many of us have dreams. Many of us have visions. Many of us have things that God's spoken to us and we know that God's going to use us in big ways. But we find ourselves on the backside of the desert or in a cave or in a pit somewhere. Wondering, God, why, why is it, why is this happening to me? I almost guarantee you that Abraham and Joseph and Moses and David, I almost guarantee you that they asked those same questions. But God, You said. The advantage we have over them is that we have the Holy Spirit living on the inside of us. They didn't even have the Holy Spirit. Most of those guys, the Holy Spirit would probably rest on them and come upon them at times. But, they, but we have the Holy Spirit living on the inside of us, helping us, telling us, hey, don't quit. Don't give up. Don't give in. Don't, don't fall for the pressures and the lies of the devil. You know, you keep doing what God tells you to do. And sure enough, one day you will see the promise. You'll see, man, you know, I've been believing God for so many years for healing. Well, you'll see your healing if you don't give up. I've been believing God for financial freedom. Well, then don't quit giving. Keep giving. Keep believing because you'll see it if you don't give up. Amen. I've been believing for this, for to be free from this addiction. Well, then keep believing. Don't give up every time you miss it. Don't say, well, well, I'm just no good. I'll never make it. No, say, I will, I will beat this. In the name of Jesus, this will not get, get the best of me. If you don't give up on God, He won't give up on you. But guess what? If you give up and you give in to the lies of the devil and you give in to your flesh and you just say, it's not worth it, I've tried it and, and it's just, you know, I just can't do that anymore. If you give in and give up, you'll never realize the promise that God has for you. 
Look at the, the greatest example, I think, is Jesus Himself. Here Jesus, knowing, I mean, listen, the Bible says that He, he was, I mean, we know this, that Jesus was God. He was part of the Trinity. He created this earth. He was with God in the beginning when, when, when God said, let us. He was talking to His Son, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. But yet Jesus humbled Himself. And He gave up His heavenly attributes, His heavenly rights, and became a man just like us. And, 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 you know, and didn't think it, uh, didn't think that it was too, too hum, or too low of Himself to do that because He did that for us. And He came and He was born and He grew. And for 30 years, you know, now you see stories and you see pictures of, Kids' books of Jesus healing little baby birds and things like that. I don't think that was the case at all. I don't think, I don't, you know, I don't, I personally believe that Jesus knew within himself, but I personally don't believe that, that, that nobody, I don't believe anybody else knew other than probably his parents knew just because they witnessed when, you know, when he was what, just 12 years old, he was standing, you know, when they, when they, they left, uh, the, they left the, they, they left Jerusalem there and Jesus stayed back and was in the synagogues discussing scripture with the priests. You know, and, and they, they, when they, when they found him, they're, they're like, what are you doing? And he said, man, I've got to be about my father's business. And the Bible says that they, Mary pondered those things in her heart. She kept them in her heart. But it wasn't until he was 30 years old. Now, I know there's a lot of, there's a lot of things that people had to be so old before they could be a, a priest or a king or things like that. And, uh, you know, and, and a lot of that has to do with, the, with that type of thing. But Jesus waited 30 years before, before he was introduced, you know, before he came on the scene as, as, the, as the, the chosen one, as the one that, G, that God would send to be the Savior of the world. And of course, and then look what happened to him. Look how many people rejected him. Look how many people just looked at him and laughed at him and mocked him. And then, after three and a half years of ministry, look, look what they did to him. They crucified him. You know, I mean, how many of you would, t- would put up with that? But he did it for us. And he didn't give up and he didn't quit. And because he didn't quit, you and I now have a way that we have a connection with the Father now. Praise God. I mean, what, what a great example of that. So the choices that you and I make, the, 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 the whole concept of involving God in our lives, that vision we had, that I had you know, two Sundays ago about, about people just not even inviting God, not even, not even you know, thinking about God again until they show back up to church or, or you know, things like that. That, that should be the last thing that happens to us. We should be waking up every single day. We should be every step we take saying, God, help me in this. God, speak to me. God, show me what to do. Show me what you're saying. Show me what to say. Show me who to talk to. Show me, God, what to do. Show me where to sow. Show me who to bless. God, just I need you in every part of my life. That's the way Jesus lived. Because he said time and again, I, you know, what you hear me say, I don't say of my own, but I only say what I hear the Father say. What you see me do, there's not my actions. He said, I'm only doing what I see the Father do. That's the way Jesus lived. That's the way we should live. Amen. Amen. Real quick, Galatians chapter 6. One thing that you'll find is this, is that in order, before you'll see the promises of God come to pass in your life, 
you're going to have to learn to endure. You're going to have to learn to get through some, some times that may not be the best. I wish, guys, listen, I wish that I could tell you that if you got born again and saved and, 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 uh, and filled with the Holy Ghost, you'd never have another problem in your life. Boy, that would be a good life, wouldn't it? But chances are, probably when you get born again and you get filled with the Holy Spirit and you start, you know, walking by the Spirit and walking in the supernatural, it'll be some of the hardest days you've ever lived. Because listen, if, if you're going the same way as the devil, he's not going to be bothering you much. But when you start cutting upstream and start going against the stream, that's when things can get tough. But the great news is this. Although it may be tough, you've got the greater one on the inside. And He's prepared you and, and given you everything you need to be an overcomer. And there's nothing that you'll ever face that God has not prepared you to overcome. If you don't quit. If you quit, guess what? You're just going to be quit. You're just going to be a quitter. <laughs> you know, and you're not going to realize the promises. But if you don't quit, you'll see the promises of God in your life. Amen. Let's look real quick at this in Galatians chapter 6. Galatians chapter 6, verse 7. We'll just start here in verse 7. And I tell you what, let's, uh, let's do this from the Amplified just to save time because I, I was going to read it from both, but just... We'll just do it from the Amplified, and they'll put it up on the screen here. Galatians 6, verse 7. Do not be deceived, or deluded, or misled. God will not allow Himself to be sneered at, scorned, disdained, or mocked by mere pretensions or professions, or by, or have his, or by his precepts being set aside. He inevitably deludes Himself... Uh, who attempts to delude God. Boy, that's big, isn't it? For whatever a man sows, that and that only is what he will reap. Don't think that you can live like the world and live in the, in the blessings of God. Do I need to say that again? Don't think you can live like the world and believe like the world and not trust God, and not believe God, and not and not uh, you know not have a, a faith and a and a heart for God, and then live in the blessings of God, because He said, "Whatever you sow, you're going to reap." Don't God listen? The the King James the King James just says, "Don't be deceived. God is not mocked." In other words, you're not going to live one way. It's kind of like the saying, "You're not going to eat you know you're not going to eat at McDonald's and pay at Burger King." You know, if you eat at McDonald's, you've got to pay at McDonald's, right? Well, guess what? If you're, going to, if you're, wanting, to, if you're wanting to enjoy the blessings of God, then, then there's, a certain, there's certain things that you have to do as well. Now, I'm not, talking about, I'm not talking about living, you know, salvation by works or anything like that. But what I'm saying is this, is that there is a price to pay to walk in the blessings of God. And that price is learning to say no to your flesh. Not letting your flesh... Always win. Not letting your flesh always get the best of you. Come on. Amen. Let's go on and, and just read a couple more verses here. Verse 8, from, and we'll just read this from the Amplified. For he who sows to his own flesh, his lower nature, his sensuality, will from the flesh reap decay and ruin and destruction. But he who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. 
And let us not lose heart. Now listen to this. Let us not lose heart and grow weary and faint in acting nobly and doing right. For in due time and at, at the appointed season we will reap if we do not loosen and relax our courage and our faith. In other words, if you don't quit, you'll reap your harvest. Well, Pastor, you don't know what I'm going through. Well, guess what? God does. And it didn't take Him by surprise. And if, you, and if you will stay true, if you'll stay faithful to what God tells you to do, then you will reap. You'll reap the promises and the benefits of God. But if you don't do it God's way, then you can't expect God's blessings. Now, you'll get some just because of the grace of God. God is, he, thank God for His grace. Thank God for His mercy. I mean, you know, some things are just going to fall on you because even ripe cherries fall off a tree. You don't even have to climb to pick them. Amen. Some of them are just going to fall off. But you know what? If you want a whole bunch of cherries, you're going to do some climbing, aren't you? If you want a whole bunch of apples, you're going to have to do some picking. If you want, you know, if you want a whole bunch of things, there's, there's some things you're going to have to do as well. Amen. And then he goes on in verse 10 to say this. So then, as occasion and opportunity open up to us, let us do good morally to all people, not only being useful or profitable to them, but also doing what is for their spiritual good and advantage. Be mindful to be a blessing, especially to those of the household of faith, those who belong to God's family with you, the believers. Now, I just, I wanted, I just wanted to throw that verse in. That doesn't really have to do in my sermon today, but, but it's good to be a blessing to other people. And when you're doing good and when you don't quit, you'll be a blessing to others. When you're doing what God calls you to do and what, what He tells you to do, you will be a blessing and, and God will do, you'll learn to do, uh, learn to listen to Him and, and you'll be able to be a blessing to so many people. But what I want, what I want you to see is this. The, you know, there's a part that you and I play in this, in this, uh, you know, people people ask, and you run into people all the time, and, and you run into Christians who who will say things like, "Well, I've I've given for years and years and years, and and I'm still struggling financially." You know, this the tithing thing just don't work, and they want, "Well, why isn't it working?" You know, they'll ask you, "Why isn't it working?" Well, you know, and, and the same thing with healing. I've been believing God for healing for all these years, and, and I know the Bible says it, but I'm just not seeing it. And, I've, and you know, why, why did this person get healed and I didn't get healed? And, and you know, this, this, this. And you'll, you'll see people questioning God all the time. And here's the thing that we have to understand, is that, you know, it's so, it's so easy for us to look at somebody else and to to try to judge our situation by somebody else's situation. Well, they just got into the church. They just came, they just got back right with God. And look, and they're, and God's already healed them and healed their kids and blessed them financially. Why won't God do that for me? Well, all of a sudden, before you know it, you've got out of faith and into complaining and, and murmuring. I think it would do as well to, to remember the, to the principle that we, we're not to compare ourselves to other people. Because one thing I've learned is this, you never know the journey they went through to get to where they are. I, I remember Brother Hagin used to say that all the time. He said, he said, people come up to me, Brother Hagin would say this later on in his life, he said, people come up to me all the time and, 
and say, Brother Hagin, pray, pray that, that the same anointings on you would come on me. And Brother Hagin would always say, he'd say, he'd say, you know, you don't know what it took to get this anointing. In other words, he said, you, you hadn't seen the, the years and years and years of me staying up all night praying and studying and, and, and the sacrifices that, that, that I had to go through. Not saying, there again, not saying that works got that for him, but, but he was just saying people, people always are looking for a shortcut. People are always wanting something somebody else has given to them. But you know what? The reality is, if you want something from God, it's, it, you, you and Him have a unique relationship. It's not like anybody else. You can't really go to somebody else and say, give me what you have from God. Because, because you and Him are unique. And your relationship with God is different than anybody else's. Now, it's the same in many aspects, but in many aspects, it's totally different. And the reason, I believe the reason it is that way is because, because it's not cookie cutter. It's not, it's not one, one stamp, you know, God's not up there just stamping out, you know, things with one, just one stamp. Every person is unique. And aren't you glad for that? Wouldn't it be boring if, if, if everybody was just like you? That'd be a pretty boring life, wouldn't it? But, you know, God says, no, we're all unique, and my relationship with you is unique. And, and, and He wants you to know that, that He wants you to have, to have a desire to be like Him. But there's, there's a price that you have to pay. There's time you have to put in. You have to pray. You have to read your Bible. Now, not like a law. I mean, you understand. I mean, thank God that, that, you know, that all of God's promises are yes and amen to all of us. But that doesn't mean all of us are going to just walk in the blessings just because of that. Amen. Come on. Now, y'all, y'all are, most of y'all are theologians. You know this. You know, I mean, y'all, y'all are smart enough to, to know that, that, you know, our relationship with God, it takes, I mean, it takes work to, to you know, none of, none, of you, none of you got into a relationship with your spouse just, just, with, just by doing nothing. You know, I mean, it t- how many of you know it takes work? Relationships take work. And if you want a good relationship, it takes a lot of work. And the more work you put into it, the better your relationship is. Now, if you, if, if you don't want to put work into your relationship, just don't do nothing for a while and see what happens. It'll be, it'll be tough. You know, things won't be as good at home as they were when, when, you, when you were investing a lot of time and energy into that relationship. And you know what? Our relationship with our Heavenly Father is the same way. God still loves us the same. It doesn't affect His love toward us at all. But it does affect how we receive from Him. Amen. Come on now, don't shut down on me. I mean, I know this. Y'all, I, I know you wanted to hear that God's going to just pour His blessings out, and, and there's nothing on your end you need to do. That's you know, that's feel good preaching, amen. And we all we all want that, but you know what? The majority the majority of us understand and know that there's there's a part we play in that in our relationship with God, and He wants it that way. If He wanted robots, He could have made robots, but He wanted people that would freely. Choose Him. And that would freely choose Him to say yes to Him and no to the world. Amen. Amen. 
You see, one thing that endurance does is it forces us to be more dependent upon God. It forces us to say, God, you know, I know I've been believing for a long time, but I'm still trusting You. I'm still believing You. I may be in a pit. I may be in a prison. I may be, I may be, you know, somewhere in between or whatever, wherever I may be. But God, I'm, I'm depending on You and I'm trusting You. And I'm not quitting. Now listen. What do you do? What do you do? Um, what do you do in the meantime? In other words, when you're, you've got the promise and you're, you're, you're enduring, you're, you're getting through, how do you get through while you're enduring? First Kings, just write this, write this down and we, we won't even take the time to turn there, but First Kings chapter 18 is the story of Elijah when Elijah was, uh, you know, God spoke to him and said, he said, God spoke to him and said, you know, speak to the king and tell him it's not going to rain for three years for a, for a certain amount of time until you say the word again. So he did that. There was a drought in the land. And First Kings 18, the Bible, the Bible, that's where the Bible said that God spoke to Elijah again and told him, he says, okay, now go up. And he said, now it's time to, to, you know, things are getting ready to happen. So Elijah goes and, and the Bible says that, the Bible says that he, that he went up and he, uh, and, and really the biggest part of chapter 18 was when he challenged the, the, the prophets there on Mount Carmel. You remember that? And the first part, uh, and I'll, I'll just read this to you. You don't have to turn there, but the first part of 1 Kings 18 says this, the first couple of verses. 1 Kings, uh, I'm in 2 Kings. It helped to get in the right chapter here. 1 Kings 18, the first couple of verses just says this, It came to pass after many days that the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year, that's the third year of the drought, saying, Go show yourself to Ahab, and I will send rain upon the earth. Ahab was the king. Now, if you had shown up to the king and told him it's not going to rain for three years, or until I tell you that it's going to rain again, and you disappear, and it's been three years now that the nation's in a drought, how many of you know the king's probably not going to be happy with you? And here in the middle of this drought, three years later, God shows up to Elijah and says, Now go show yourself to the king and tell him that it's going to start raining. And probably, if you were like, if you were like me, probably my first response would be like, Lord, why don't you just send the rain and don't make me go talk to him? You know, but here, here was the principle. God wanted, God wanted Elijah to trust him. He had been trusting him. But he said, now you're going to have to trust me again because now you're going to have to go back and tell him that at your word, that rain is going to come. So, so, Elijah, so Elijah said, okay, I'll go. And Elijah went to show himself, uh, went to, show himself to the king. And during that time, that's when the, the king, you know, uh, Jezebel threatened to, to kill him. And, 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 or actually, actually, Elijah met the, the prophets up on Mount Carmel, killed all the, you know, he, it's where he told him, he said, let's see, he said, choose today which, which gods you'll serve, the, the prophets of Baal or the living God. And, you know, and he said, you get a sacrifice and, and call down fire and see if your God will bring fire down. And Elijah was mocking him. He's like, he's like, come on, God, your, your God must be in the bathroom. Your God must be asleep. And they were cutting themselves and they were running around doing everything they knew to do, but nothing happened. I'm, I'm reducing a long story here. Finally, Elijah says, now it's my turn. And he says, fill the trenches up with water. And he, I mean, he flooded his, he flooded the altar there. And he put the altar on, he put the sacrifice on there and he, he called out to God and God sent 
send fire down from heaven and it dried up every bit of the water, burnt the sacrifice, and just and God showed out in a big way. And all the prophets, Elijah had all the prophets killed. And and that's when that's when Jezebel told him. She said, she said, as you've done to my prophets, I'm going to do to you. And 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 the crazy thing, after even after all that, Elijah at the end of this, Elijah gets scared of Jezebel and runs off. Even after the after he saw the power of God there, but God had told him even before before Jezebel started speaking, um, God had told Abraham or told Elijah. He said, "Now listen." He said, "You go tell the king to prepare for rain." Three years it had been in a drought, so he so he does this with the prophets of the prophets of Baal, and, and he he can you know he wins that victory. And he goes out and he tells his servant, he's, he sits down at the top of this mountain and he tells his servant, go, go tell me what you see. One of, the, one of the good things that you learn from this story is this. Sometimes it's good not to even look at your circumstances. Because you know what Elijah, you know what he had been seeing for three years? Drought. Not a, sky, not a cloud in the sky. The Bible says he went up there and put his head between his knees. And, and, and he told his servant, said, go tell me what you see. And, Abraham, and Elijah started praying. And the servant came back and said, there's nothing. And, and the Bible says for seven times, he told him, he, he sent him back out seven more times. And the seventh time he came back and he said this, he said, he said well, he said, there is a little something. He said, there's the, 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 a cloud the size of a man's fist forming out over the ocean. And then Elijah jumped up and he said, go tell the king he better get off this mountain because he said, if he don't, the rain's going to stop him. But here's something that's interesting about that whole story. And here's what I want you to see. The whole time when God spoke to Elijah and told him, go tell him to prepare for rain, that was the moment that the rain started to come. And you see, the whole process of, of water coming up out of the ocean, getting in the clouds... Forming, it doesn't happen. It doesn't happen instantly. And every time that, that Elijah sent his servant out, what do you see? I don't see anything. Elijah didn't say. Elijah didn't say. Oh well, I guess God was wrong. Elijah just kept his head bare and he said, "God, you said rain's coming. I believe. I believe your word." And he kept telling the prophet, "Go tell me, or his servant, go tell me what you see. Go tell me what you see. Go tell me what you see." And then finally, when he came back and said, "said there's a the cloud the size of a man's hand." That had been forming all that time. Even when you don't see God doing something, He's working. Even when it looks like nothing's happening. Even when the sickness is still there. Even when the addiction is still there. Even when the problem's still there. God's doing something. And if you don't quit, you'll see the cloud form and the, and the rain come. But guess what? If Elijah had quit... The sixth time. What, what, if, what if he had quit the fifth time? What if he had quit the sixth time? And just threw his hands up and said, Well, God, I guess, I guess I heard you wrong. I guess you're not going to do this. And Elijah was... Now listen, Elijah was a, was a man just like you and I. And, and he had said, he had told the king, Rain's coming. And every time he sent his servant out and he came back and said nothing, probably in his mind he's thinking, Man, I, I sure pray I didn't miss this. I know I heard God's voice. But, the, but the, the thing you need to see is this, is that Elijah kept speaking the Word. Go back out until you see something. I don't see nothing, Elijah. Go back out again. It's coming. Elijah, I don't see... Go back out again. 
But Elijah, there's, I've been out there six times, Elijah, there's nothing out there. Go again. And the seventh time he came back and said, well, there is a little bitty cloud out there. And Elijah jumped up and said, said, that's it. He said, go tell, he said, go tell the king that there's a sound of the abundance of rain. See, he saw, he heard in the spirit. He saw in the spirit. He knew what was coming. He just had to wait. He had to endure until it manifested in the natural. And see, where most people miss it is this. Most people miss it because they give up before they see the manifestation of it. They'll stop and they'll say, they'll say, you know, instead of declaring God's Word over the situation, they'll start, start uh, murmuring and complaining about the situation. You know, one of the worst things that, have, that has happened to the, probably to the body of Christ and, and to, to everybody in general is this, is the, the one question that Facebook asks. What's on your mind? Because people talk about what's on their mind instead of talking about what's on God's mind. You see, because when you start talking about what's on your mind, most people's, what's on most people's mind is fear, doubt, unbelief, gossip. And you start spreading that stuff, and guess what you're going to get? You're not going to get the harvest you're looking for. But if you, will, if you will start declaring what's on God's mind, if you'll start talking about what God wants to talk about, we, you know this, our, our world is framed with our words. And we have, we have to say the same thing that God says if we're going to see this. We can't talk about our feelings, but we've got to talk about what God says. Amen. And that's exactly what Elijah did. Elijah started talking about what, what God had said. Elijah was saying, no, God said the rain's coming. It's coming. He didn't quit. He didn't give up. Amen. Listen, if we're going, if we're going, if we, if we are going to endure and see the promises of God in our lives, we're going to have to learn to walk by faith. And that may mean, I gave you three or four examples. That may mean we wait 25 years. We wait 15 years. We wait five years. We wait two years. But what I believe is happening is this. I believe there's an acceleration happening. I don't think that it's going to take 25 years or 30 years or 20 years or five years. I believe there's an acceleration. And if you won't quit, I believe you'll start, we'll start seeing the things that God has for us quicker and quicker and quicker than any, than any other generation before. Amen. But listen, you'll never walk, you'll never walk or live in the supernatural while living and walking by sight. If you constantly are just talking about what you see in the natural and what you are experiencing just in your physical body, you'll never walk in the supernatural. You have to agree with God. You have to start saying what God says about your situation. Quit looking for just a short-term fix. You know, what was it that Jim Hockaday told us one of the last times he was here? You know, most people, he said most people are just, he said most people really are just praying that God will just make it a little bit easier so they can get through it a little bit quicker. We have to stop looking for short-term fixes and start looking at things with an eternal purpose, from an eternal perspective. And start saying what God says. And when we start saying what God says, we'll start seeing what God sees. Amen. If you have a dream, if you have a word, 
If you have a promise, whatever it is you have this morning, you know, it may be a prophetic word, it may be a dream God gave you, it could simply be just a Scripture in the Word that, that, you've, that you want to grab hold of and say, I believe that this is what I'm going to see in my life. Then there's one important thing that you have to do before you'll ever see it come to pass, and that's don't quit. Because the moment you quit, you disqualify yourself. You disqualify yourself. What if, what if we were sitting in the airport, we, we were flying in, we flew in from Hawaii and we landed in L.A. and I was just checking the gates, you know, and, and I pulled up the gate number, pulled up the airline number and all this, and, and in big red letters it said, flight canceled. What if we just threw our hands up and said, well, that's it, we're never getting home. Oh gosh, we're stuck in L.A. now. You know, what are we going to do? We're going to, you know, we're going to be out here with all these... All these crazy people. And if we had quit, guess what? I wouldn't be standing in front of you today. What if you quit? What if you quit the last, the last time that you were in a test or trial? The last time your car broke down, you just leave it on the side of the road and say, well, that's it, I'm giving up. I'm just walking away from it. Some of us probably feel that way with their cars at times. And you just walk away and just leave it sitting on the side of the road somewhere. You know, you, you have trouble, trouble at home or trouble at school or somewhere, and you just throw your hands up and say, well, that's it, I'm never going back. I'm just quitting. Well, you know what? You would never get anywhere. One thing about champions, one thing about champions and people that, that, are all, that come out on top is that they have this attitude that says, I won't quit. I'm not, I'm not going to let that stop me. I may, not, I may not be getting the results I want right now, but I know this, if I'll stay with it and, I stay, and I'll keep believing God from a spiritual standpoint, if I keep believing God and I'll stay true to His Word, I don't care what happens in the natural, I will see this come to pass. And I'm not going to quit and I'm not giving up. You know, if we, if, if you and I are going to walk in the supernatural, this 2018 or 2019, we've talked about this all year. You know, this is the middle of June here, and we've talked about living in the supernatural all year. And, and many of you have seen supernatural things, and you've seen things happening. But some of you may be saying, Pastor, I wish you'd get off that, because I, that's just not me. I just don't believe in that supernatural stuff. Well, then, you know, if, if, you, if you have that attitude, you'll never see it. You'll never walk in it. Amen. But if you have the attitude saying, you know what, I'm, that 2019 is going to be a year of the supernatural for me. And I'm not going to quit, I'm not giving up, I'm not giving in. Then you know what, you will see it. And I believe it will be sooner than later. If we'll simply trust Him and keep our faith and, and, and stay, stay to, the, to the things of God. But guys, listen, we can't be quitters. We, there, there's no place for quitters in the kingdom of God. Not one time did the great warriors of God, all the, the men and women of God, you don't see them quitting. You don't see them giving up. And there's no place for that in your life or in my life as well. So I, this morning, I just want to encourage you. Don't quit. Don't give up. Stay, just grab hold of God's promises and say, I'm not giving up until I see these come to pass in my life. I'm going to stay faithful 
Regardless of the way it looks, regardless of, of how much it hurts, regardless of what it costs, I'm going to stay faithful to the plans and promises of God. And when you do that, listen, I promise you, you will see those things happen. And how, and, and how does that relate even all the way back to the, to, to the vision I, I shared with you at the very beginning? The awesome thing about God is this, is that when He gives you a promise, He doesn't say, now you've got to figure out how, to, how it happens. His, his promises always come with room for Him to step in and help. And when we ask for Him to come in and help us, when we ask for Him, say, Father, I need Your help. Father, I want You, you know, send, send, your, send, send my angels to help me, Lord. You know, I release those. Brother Hagin taught about finances that way. And said so the Lord taught him about finances and told him to release the ministering spirits, to go bring the finances in, to claim what he needed, and then to release the ministering spirits to go get them. And Brother Hagin said he never he said he never had to pray about finances again. Then that's something. The Lord told him how to release his angels to go get them, and then that's how that's how finances came into his life. He 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 would have the need, he would declare what he needed, and release his angels to go get it, and, and the money would just come in. Amen. Guys, listen, with God's help, there's nothing that's impossible. If we don't quit, there's nothing that's impossible. If we'll keep our faith. Listen, it may not happen in your time frame. It may not happen the way you want it to happen. But you know what? Just like, just like ours, we had an itinerary. We had, we had in our mind, man, we were going to be home at 5 o'clock, 4.30. We was going to land in Charlotte at 4.30 and... And, you know, Friday, and, we, and was, we'd grab supper on the way home and be home by 8 or 9 o'clock and, you know, unpack and get a good night's rest. Well, you know, well, all of a sudden our itinerary changed. But we didn't quit. We didn't give up. Amen. I mean, we said, you know what? Things, you know, things change. But just because it changed don't mean I have to quit or I don't give up. And eventually, you know, we, we got... But the, the main thing was we got home. It was a couple hours later than we thought. But we got home because we didn't quit. And that's the way it is. And I know that's a simple illustration, but what I just, and I keep repeating it, but I want you to know this and I want you to hear it. If you don't give up and you don't quit, you'll make it. Amen. Regardless of what the problem is, regardless of what you're facing, if you will just trust God and you'll keep Him first place in your life, you will make it. And with God's help, when you invite Him to help you, then He'll come alongside and be your helper. The Holy Spirit. That's one of His attributes. He's a helper. If we'll invite Him to, to work with us and, and to help us, He'll do that. Amen? Amen. Well, let me pray for you. <clears throat> Father, I just thank You for Your, for your Word this morning. I thank You, Father. Uh, I, I just pray, Lord, this morning that, that this would encourage us, it would stir us up, it would, it would minister to us. Father, to help us... Uh, to remind us, Father, I think we all know this, but just to remind us not to be a quitter, not to give up, but to trust You and to stay in faith and to walk the, the life of faith instead of, instead of uh, going by the way we feel or going by our emotions or uh, by, the, by the circumstances that we see in the natural. But Father, help us see things the way You see them. Help us listen to, to, to see what You're saying about a situation and to only say what You say about it. Not to, not to share, uh, you know, not to get into feelings or not to get into, uh, you know, the, 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 just the fear and unbelief, 
but to stay in faith in these situations, Father. Because that's because you are a faith God. And, and, and any words that you're going to speak is going to be full of faith and full of belief. So, Father, help us to do that in our lives. Father, I pray for every person here, whatever they're facing, Father, Lord, just give them the encouragement to know that if they don't quit, that they will make it. And I thank You for that. Let's all stand to our feet just for a moment. And just with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you need prayer this morning, I'd love to be able to... Stacey and I would love to be able to pray with you. If you just say, Pastor, I just need, I need you to agree with me. I, you know, man, I'm, I'm thinking about quitting. I'm thinking about giving up. But I, I don't want to do that. I want, to, I want my faith strengthened. I want to go forward and just believe God. And if you, so if you need prayer this morning, I, I just want to give you just a, just a moment to come down. Just move quick if you, need, if you need prayer and we want to pray for you. I know I went a little bit long this morning, but, but we just, I just want to encourage, uh, encourage anyone that needs encouragement. And as we pray for these that come down, y'all just stay in an attitude of faith with us. <clears throat> Excuse me. And, and we're going to believe God together for these that, as we pray for them. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God is good. Amen. Well, listen, I want to, once again, I just want to say happy Father's Day to all the dads. Pray you have a great day. Enjoy your day. Uh, Celebrate your dad if he's still with you. And uh, call him or go see him or however you can do that. And just love on your love on your family today. We will have prayer tonight at six if you can make it back. I understand it's Father's Day and some of you may be going and different things and that's fine, but I just really felt like it was important for us to pray some over the uh